This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. It's Kelly and Ramya. We're here with you daily. Well, at least on the weekdays. I'm going to leave you alone on Saturday and Sunday. That would just be way too much of us. Kelly McDonald, Ramya Amadin, we're the hosts of the show. And like I said, two hours every weekday. You can catch us here on AMI TV or AMI Audio. So somewhere across the network at some point. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and find us there. Kelly? So, Brock Richardson keeping us up to date on what's going on in goalball. So, spoiler alert, in case you have some way of, I guess you don't. I don't think they store mm-hmm. this stuff up on Gem right now. It's just streamed up there. Uh, the ladies in goalball going for bronze today uh, have won, beat Brazil 4-2 to two is what we have for you right now. And uh, congratulations to them. The guys game coming up shortly. So we'll see. I think we'll be off the air before that score comes in the final because I believe that there's a 3.30 game uh, starting shortly. So congratulations to the ladies it with the for medals. today's victory. Good on awesome. You guys. We are yeah. doing really well out there. It's time for our monthly Science Center feature on the program where we virtually visit museums and science centers across this beautiful country of ours. Today, we're headed to Manitoba to learn all about the science gallery at the Manitoba Museum. And to do that, we're going to chat with Zoe McQuinn, who is the Director of Learning and Engagement at the Manitoba Museum. Zoe, thank you for coming to Kelly and Rummy today for a little bit of time to do some sharing with us. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, Zoe, what can be found at the Manitoba Museum and particularly in the science gallery? Well, um, we're really lucky. We have three venues here at the museum, our main galleries, our planetarium, and of course our science galleries. Um, In the science galleries, there are different ways to explore and learn about science. Um, It's aimed at multi-generational learning and it's very interactive. We try to engage the children's minds, uh, their physical bodies, and also uh, their hearts, because of course everyone has a love for the science gallery here Mm. in Manitoba. And can you tell us That's a little awesome. bit about your role, uh, role, sorry. Can you tell us a bit more about your role and what you do, uh, where your particular interests lie? Um, well, I think the most important part um, for learning and myself is about play. Um, play gives us the ability to engage um, children in learning in a way that allows them to learn at their own pace, to guide the learning. Um, and we have staff throughout this areas as well to help facilitating learned experiences. Um, you can see in some of the images here, it's a lot of family generational learning. So together they're learning about basic, basic science concepts like gravity, about um, environmental impacts, of human activity in the Lake Winnipeg area. Um, You can go into the matrix. There's a lot of different ways you can play and learn at the same time. And those kind of memorable experiences really reinforced children's passion for engaging in science. So Zoe, with it being family too, when when mom and dad are there maybe, or older sibling or younger sibling, do you find as a group it's in a family way, a little bit of a different experience for people learning and and taking these in? Is there anything you guys do differently? I mean, I know you have school groups and stuff like that come in too, but it's fun. It must be fun to kind of figure out how can we make this so engaging so mom and dad aren't just kind of walking along. Yeah, let's move on to the next thing. You know, How do you guys do that when you're thinking of putting 
an installation together? Well, you know, uh, I think most people engage. Um, for example, when we're talking about uh, sound um, or if we're talking about image, we've created sort of the matrix room, which is basically a room you can walk in and see the different effects of light and uh, using mirrors. Or we can do a sound and you have to talk to each other across the gallery on how you focus that sound. Ah. And so it's usually based on making sure that it's more than one person, you know, it, it, even if it's not the... Um, you came with that you're engaging with it actually gives children and adults the ability to bridge across and so when we're talking about multi-generational kids playing with kids kids playing with the adults that brought them this kind of idea of engaging in the activity and to fully immerse themselves they have to fully participate so it's sort of inviting them to nice. participate that's so fantastic. oh my gosh yeah we so were having inclusive a, that way i know and we were having a conversation about this angle of learning or you know through play uh, just a bit earlier on the show too, Zoe. So it's really interesting that you point that out. Uh, can you talk about more especially sensory opportunities and experiences that you offer? Uh, yeah, of course. There are a lot of different ways museums can engage um, people. Obviously, um, the main ways are through sight, through touch, um, and through sound. But we also work a lot on trying to engage the other senses, which of course is smells and um, taste. Those are a little harder. Museums have to have certain Certain rules around uh, food and smells and stuff. Right. right. Um, but for touch, for example, when we talk about meteorites, you can talk about what they're composed of, but many people have never touched one. So you have to let them get as close as possible. And that means touching, holding, feeling the different sort of weight that's involved in the density of a meteorite versus is maybe the stones they have in their own homes. And it's about that actual physical connection that allows people to understand it in a meaningful and real way. Wow. It's great because as blind people, we've always, you know, kind of that experience as a kid. I remember going to, don't touch, you can't touch. No, sorry, there's nothing that you could touch here. It's all too. But now there's so much of sensory included in museum tours now of any of any kind for the most part. I mean, I know there's some places you can't. They just look at a picture and there's, what are you going to get touching it or whatever? I, I don't mean that. But there's so many meaningful opportunities now for people and I, I love that change Zoe and I guess when you guys are putting something together once again I have to say how much of that time and thought goes into that that hey kids will want to pick this up and find out the weight what it feels like or people are, I know it's not just hey we're gonna have some blind customers coming here one day it's so much about this seems to be discovery of this keeps people kids adults all engaged even more yeah, and I think that it's something that we as an organization and museums and science centers across the world are trying to understand better is there's not one way to learn, there's many ways to learn. There's not one experience, but it depends on, you know, Know, the time what people want and trying to meet them where they are rather than make them come to us or learn the way we want them to learn or engage the way we want to engage and learning oh, is such a three-dimensional experience and we often just you know don't even acknowledge that right like you know reading something versus hearing something versus visually seeing something or being able to tactilely like physically engage with it with your limbs i mean all of that together is what i would assume is the ideal scenario because it just feels more like a three-dimensional um experience and retention is probably so much better if you can engage in all those ways at the same time 
Yeah, it, it, it totally is true. And especially when we're thinking about maybe a new learning outcome, like talking about climate change. I mean, it's great we can lecture about how the impacts of climate change, but how do you teach people about, right. about it in a way that is beyond reading, beyond lecturing, but mm. about this is the realities, this is a visual representation, and then reading, forcing it so that they can actually practice it and learn the things that they can do in a meaningful and really way. Yeah. So one of the activities we actually designed was a trash sorting activity because a lot of us think well we know what we're doing when it comes to our um, waste management uh -huh. but so many people you know let, let's put everything in the bin it belongs to and how many did you get right how many did you get wrong and it's a physical memory then of which bins things go into so oh it's, that's fabulous it's a lot of different ways. yeah yeah and that's such a great way that we learn without feeling like this is what we're supposed to do do it right so we i think we better get some people out to visit is. So can we talk a little bit about some of the current exhibits and shows that you want to kind of flag going on at the museum? Oh, well, we're busy every day. Um, we're open nice. uh, six days a week. Um, we're closed on Mondays. We're open from 10 to 4, um, and everyone is always welcome. Uh, our website is um, updated every day with some of the planetarium shows um, that we offer. We usually offer two to five different planetarium shows, so offerings, uh, you know, are daily. Check them out. Um, but also, our main galleries are open for everyone, and we also have a couple special um, exhibits on right now to celebrate some of the things that are important to us, including uh, Made with Love, um, If These Walls Could Talk, and of course, our new um, Mennonite clocks exhibit, which is beautiful, oh, and then we hope wow, everybody can nice. come and explore. Tell yeah, us more always about something that. going on. And Tell us more about case... all three, if you don't mind. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, it's, all just, three. just before you move on, that's really <laughs> cool. Just touch on them. I'm really curious about uh, the walls talking. Okay, so um, the Made with Love is about the traditions uh, of communities, uh, the Métis community, and uh, artistically making beautiful artifact, uh, beautiful um, uh, pieces for their family. Um, for moccasins, for example, and the love that goes into the beautiful designs that are passed on from generation to generation. Um, our other um, exhibit, um, If These Walls Could Talk, is a partnership we made with the Rainbow Resource Center, um, and it's for us supporting um, the 2S LGBTQ plus communities um, and talking about the history of activism and the Rainbow Resource Center here in Winnipeg. So it's a really amazing exhibit. And then our finally just opened is the Mennonite Clocks exhibit, and it's about the traditions of the Mennonite community moving from what would be considered a Russian-Ukraine area um, to Canada over the last century and a half, and sort of what you bring with you, why you bring those pieces with you, and sort of the story that one piece that is so important in that home uh, can tell beyond just it's a pretty piece, but the history of how it got here, the reasons why it was important to the people who brought it with them and sort of the story of the family themselves so it's really wonderful exhibits wow it's what and timely so timely it's really yeah. coming across as such intentional movements intentional storytelling um and perspectives that are being brought forth directly from these communities and so appreciate you telling us that zoe i'm very curious about uh, the location of the Manitoba Museum, um, where you guys are placed and what the significance is uh, to you um, around where it is compared to, you know, other museums and other cities or other parts of Canada. Like, is there something you want to say to that? 
Well, we're really lucky. We're downtown in um, Winnipeg. Um, at the heart of any city is its downtown core. A lot of museums in Canada are located downtown, which usually gives us a lot of sort of different transit options to get people here. It's about trying to be centrally located, but also located on pathways that are easy for people for us to find. Um, like many downtown areas, um, there's ups and downs in a, 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 a sort of as part of COVID and sort of, you know, the forced stay home and people returning to the space. So what's really exciting I found about downtown, especially here in Winnipeg, is sort of this revival that's happening. So many new businesses are popping up and so many people in the community are sort of taking ownership of the spaces and trying to create this kind of excitement about being downtown. So you can get downtown easily and also um, we're here to welcome you because there's a huge vibrant community downtown. Awesome. Zoe, very quickly, did you have something else you wanted to tell us that we kind of, maybe we got so excited about the other stuff that's on right now? Yeah, I really wanted to tell uh, access is everything here at the museum and we're working really hard and we're always open to feedback and um, any supports that the community wants to give us on those kind of topics. Um, but for coming and visiting, um, if um, there are any accessibility issues, especially around finance, um, every first Friday of every month, we are um, open um, from four until nine and it's free access. So everyone is welcome. All of our galleries, including the Science Gallery, are open for exploration exploration and we hope that if you can come anytime come but if you need to come on Fridays uh, for our first Fridays at once a month at the beginning of the month we hope we see you here okay and where do we uh, go to get more information uh you can go to manitobamuseum.ca it's our new website and uh, we hope you find everything you need very easily on this new hopefully very accessible design Awesome. Zoe, thank you for making time to come on. We'll get you back on the show again down the road and find out more. Thank you so much. Good luck and the best of the season. Yeah, thank you very much. Bye. That was Zoe McQuinn uh, telling us all about the Science Gallery at the Manitoba Museum. Incredible place. After the break, we have our weekly roundtable staple weekly conversation. It's mixed with a few things that Kelly McDonald has pulled out for us to chat about. Jim Crisco is our guest today, so we'll hang out with him. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. After the break. 